Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Scott Burnett today. Hello, Scott. Hi, Justin. Hi, everybody. Uh, and so as we re- we covered in a recent podcast, Her Sexual Self, drawing and redrawing our sexual or asexual subjectivities is something that we're all in the process of doing, whether we know it or not. How do we come to know and understand and become our sexual selves? How do we do this when discourses or should stories or how we should do our gender and sexuality are so powerful and all around us? What happens in communities or at an interpersonal level when these stories can be told and retold to others? Scott Burnett has written an excellent paper about on how men who abstain from masturbating make sense of their sex- sexual subjectivities and how this is produced and reproduced in online communities. Some of this is quite everyday and benign, but some of it is quite troubling, uh, as we might get to. So here's a warning just uh, ahead of the rest of what we might talk about. We might be re- referring to some racist tropes. Um, we'll try and pad those before we, we get to it. And uh, we will probably be talking about some sexist and potentially violent views of women as part of this conversation, just as a heads up. But Scott, welcome. Uh, thanks so much for coming to the show and welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Just before we kick off, just tell us a little bit about your bio. Give us, uh, <laughs> yeah, just tell us yeah, wh- how you got to this place and, and, and what work you do. Uh, so I'm uh, from uh, Johannesburg uh, in South Africa, and um, for many years I worked on a youth um, sexual health campaign called Love Life, um, which was founded in 1999 as uh, South Africa's national HIV prevention program for young people. Um, and um, I was, you know, sort of came into that as part of a program to. Uh, promote a particular form of debating in schools, actually, because the idea was that young people need to be able to kind of like weigh up different options to be able to look at kind of policies to to debate them and to kind of take charge of their of their lives. And that was also wound up into um, a discourse of positive lifestyle, healthy sexuality, which was part of the campaign that we were um, running to to kind of put the focus more on young people and their um uh, their their response to the hiv pandemic in south africa and i did that for years and years and absolutely loved it um and the more i did it the more i wanted to kind of get uh to what i felt were sort of the fundamental issues of hiv infection in south africa which you know, of course, there are biomedical uh, kind of interventions that are also critical. But in the South African context, what we're really talking about is we're, we're talking about inequality. And to talk about inequality in South Africa is to talk about racism, uh, to talk about sort of the legacies of apartheid and what apartheid has done to South Africa, um, which is why, you know, young black women are so much more likely to get HIV than, um, you know, middle-aged white men like you know by uh, many orders of magnitude um so when i was was uh, sort of thinking about my next step in life i decided to do a phd in um critical uh, race uh, theory and in sort of critical approaches to diversity um and that's and that's what i then did i from 20 um, 2015 to 2018, I worked on my PhD, which was about um, uh, whiteness and land and talking about, about space and property um, mm. in the South African context. And 
um, because of the approach I took, but also because of the data, the more I looked at race, the more that sexuality and gender were clearly imbricated in um, the discourses that I was that I was studying. So, um, as I sort of you know was was writing more and more in that space, you know, I I kind of moved to the more like intersectional space of race, gender, and and sexuality. And well, I'm I'm today I'm uh, lecturing at uh, Gothenburg University in Sweden, uh, largely because my husband <laughs> um, moved here with my husband in 2017 because he got a professorship at the university. Um, but I'm still an associate researcher in Johannesburg, and even though what we're going to talk about today is focused on a broadly kind of Western. Anglo, although actually not that Anglo, but but yeah, broadly Western phenomenon. Um, a lot of my research is still very much focused on South Africa and on and on the South African racial structure. Right. So interesting. I often get emails from uh, people actually asking how to get into this kind of lines of work. So I think um, it's really great to hear from different researchers about their kind of their their avenues into this work, and also practitioners too. Um, so we are going to be talking about. So when I say young men abstaining from masturbating and then talking about it online. I'm being a bit coy. We are talking about um, a movement known as NoFap, or um, you might also be, dear listener, you might also be familiar with the um, No Nut November, um, which is uh, kind of allied to or in coalition with, I guess, the NoFap community. There is a website called NoFap. Um, and people talk about this online. Just... Can you give us a very brief overview of this? I mean, it, these things exist in culture, the idea that mm. men, that there might be some benefits to men abstaining from masturbation, that that is something which has existed, certainly exists in culture ever since I've been a sex and relationships educator. Um, the idea that you shouldn't, the only time you should masturbate is if you're in prison because there aren't any women around, <laughs> um, or that you shouldn't masturbate before you do sport or the night before you do, you know, yeah, boxers shouldn't masturbate all that kind of stuff yeah. um so you know these things are out there but specifically we are we are talking about how this is produced and reproduced online so no fap it's kind of it's a thing that happens on social media and uh websites can you give us like an overview of of, of who you are interested in how and how you you got there um so so as as you say it's an ancient idea um there are so many different iterations of it um and kind of not masturbating has been taken up, you know, in uh, national socialism in, in Nazi Germany. It's been taken up by, you know, eugenics. It's been, you know, like it, there is this fixation on whether or not uh, men are like releasing their 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 power into the world or whether they're keeping it nicely stored up. Um, and uh, I think I think NoFap specifically is a. Um, is a development of kind of the online challenge culture um, mm. and these the sorts of new cultures that are developing around sharing um, our, our identities and sort of like forming, um, forming groups, forming new social networks around um, specific dynamics of our identity. Um, the word um, NoFap itself or to do a NoFap challenge, um, at the earliest kind of online um, example I've been able to find is from 2005, like, and it's it's in fact one of the NoFap guys that tweeted about like this Subaru challenge or something like that in 2005. Yeah, but but you know whether or not that is actually the first instance of the word. Basically, it 
took off as an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know fapping is sort of supposed to be on- onomatopoeic for the sound mm-hmm. of masturbation, and no fap is then not masturbating, yeah. and it it struck it's structured generally as a challenge. So actually, you know, uh, challenging your mates um, to you know how many days can you go without mm-hmm. masturbating, or you know can you go a month, can you go two months, and then a, a whole sort of series of ideologies that then get wound up in. Uh, you know why exactly, and what does it give you to to not masturbate? I feel um, like we should watch the Seinfeld episode of the contest at some point, <laughs> where the whole thing is about a masturbation contest. That'd be we should have a watch along with that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I hadn't really kind of kind of tweaked that it was part of this kind of challenge uh, thing, this on con- online challenge thing, and then it took a kind of. Um, I guess the discourses took like a new life of their own, yeah. didn't they? Because the the interesting thing that you point out is that um, at the beginning of the paper, which there's a link to in the show notes, by the way, dear listener, is that you know um, conventional ideas of masculinity or what we would talk about as hegemonic masculinity, the rules of uh, how to how to be a man, are about sexual interest, about um, having a sex drive, being being an idea that the idea that men should be interested in sex. This kind of nofap uh, idea or these ideas about control are a way of um, navigating that, aren't they? They're a way of switching the discourse so that men can still be men and retain either a healthy amount of interest in sex or, in inverted commas, healthy. There's going to be a lot of inverted commas in the sex. <laughs> um, or even if they don't have the opportunity to have sex uh, or don't want to have sex yet, that they are... Well, it's quite Seinfeld in Master of Their Own of Their Domain, but let's not talk about <laughs> Seinfeld the whole whole episode. Um, but uh, Justin, reminded herself. Um, but that that thing of control is a way of reframing masculinity for themselves, isn't it? In this, yeah. Um, so, so the, the 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 idea that a man should always be up for sex, that to be a real man, you know, you have to have this drive. Um, for sex and you know at the one level and then at the other level that the real man masters his drives the real man is in charge as you said (laughs) with your your Seinfeld example Um, but of course within online culture so it takes on a specific dynamic in online culture where you've got this this incredible ubiquity of online pornography um, and a uh, the, the the sorts of 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 communities that nofap first sort of seems to have taken hold in are many of your sort of extremely online communities right. um gamers um uh, you know sort of the software you know the sort of the uh, the nerd masculinity if you want to sort of have a yeah. general kind of like you know um uh, category well, we for talk it. about we talk about the manosphere, don't we? Mm. Is, is that is that what this describes? Um, yeah, I I think that you know what I was to a certain extent trying to do was to complicate that picture slightly because I think that um, some of these men online joining nofap groups and and seeing nofap as a, like a self help or as a personal development path don't necessarily subscribe to the, the vicious misogyny they're not necessarily there for the misogyny. They're not there for the men's rights discourse. Um, there might be that stuff there, um, but there are other reasons. There are other stories they tell themselves about involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that, you know, 
the the uh, that was largely what I I was I was uh, um, trying to do with um, identifying the different myths of being involved in in NoFap and why um, it's important to understand the different motivations that people bring uh, to NoFap. But the, what I what I what I I want to say about um, the um, the online culture, but specifically and the ubiquity of pornography, is that mm. there is this constant slide um, between is it really anti masturbation or is it anti pornography, right. and the the uh, the problematization of kind of the modern condition that almost all of uh, these uh, um, these groups these different different young men with different reasons. Almost all of them start with some kind of idea that it's problematic that I can't stop looking at porn. That I'm I constantly I'm sort of I, I feel as if I've got less control over my life. Every time I switch on my computer, I go straight to to a porn website or whatever. So so the masturbation almost becomes a way to exert control not over um, masturbation itself, which is not necessarily the for all of them the core problem. It is for some of them, mm-hmm. but for, 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 for I'd say for the, the, the sort of the mainstream discourse um, has this whole idea that all of this, all of this porn and all of this masturbation is basically giving us erectile dysfunction. Um, we become addicted to the pornography. We, we, we start masturbating far too much. Um, and, you know, this then causes what they call PIED, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And a lot of the a lot of the the kind of the online controversy. If you look at there's this, this character called Dr. David Lay, who's a medical doctor, who sort of like kind of like you know tries to uh, counter all of these ideas because it's very much a pseudo medical discourse that is trying to prove the existence of pornography addiction, mm-hmm. prove the existence of porn induced erectile dysfunction, prove you know what um, ejaculation does to your testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. And then you get, you know, people like Dr. Lay who then come in to say, actually, no, that is, you know, medically, that is just not true. There is no, there's no evidence for these things. Um, but, but by and large, I, I say that, that I think it's a, it's a specific, uh, an online culture that has, is sort of created. It wouldn't have happened the same if we were in, you know, whatever 19th century um, Germany or whatever, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have played out in the same way because this is, largely about online porn, ubiquitous access, and anxiety over staying hard. So anxiety over what is all of this masturbation doing to my, doing to my virility long term, um, as it were. I mean, I guess it's the first time that, you know, that, that men have talked to each other about, mas- uh, about masturbation in the, the history of time. Like, it's, the, <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the first... Um, now we have ways of communicating with each other in in these communities where men are talking about this. I mean, I would always say I've I've spent most of my life working with young men in real life IRL, and so you know they do talk about it, but they kind of don't they don't really talk about talking about it. Um, but online, it seems that their spaces have been created and made. It's quite impressive in many ways that men have found ways to be able to talk to each other about these things that men aren't supposed to talk about it. But I guess what they've done is to reframe it as, well, it's manly to talk about this because we are demonstrating our control over something. And so we can talk about it, which is in itself kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. 
um, whether I would, I, I mean, I think there are uh, like one of the, the, the Foucauldian ideas, of course, with the history of sexuality is that to ban something and to obsess on it's being bad for you is not the same as not talking about it. Yeah. Um, and then, in fact, if you think about the, for example, to, going back to the 19th century, so to, to think about sort of the, the, what we think of as being Victorian sexuality actually is a sex obsessed, you know, yes. because they, they talk about sex a lot. They just talk about, you know, how bad it is and how you mustn't do it. And they invent, invent contraptions and devices and diets and all sorts of things to try to control um, sexuality. So. So I think there's there's that point to be made, and then just a small maybe frivolous point is that I um, happen to have uh, done my secondary schooling while uh, in a boys' hostel, um, a, you know, unisex boys' hostel, and um, certainly we talked about wanking all the time, right. <laughs> um, and this was sort of largely, I mean, pre-internet South Africa in the early '90s, early to mid '90s. You know, very few people had internet connections but so, so i do think there are there have been different ways of of talking um about um masturbation but perhaps not quite as focused as you say people getting together to actually kind of strategize mm. to give each other tips about like you know if you really want to jerk off you know this is like you know, these are, you know, take a cold shower. If you really want to jerk off, do 20 push-ups instead or whatever, you know, yeah. like sort of giving each other advice, telling uh, each other what benefits to expect, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, supplements to take, um, of course, diet, exercise, which books to read. Um, so there's a lot of Jordan Peterson flying around here, mm -hmm. um, you know. And, and that kind of like that uh, construction of what it is to be the, 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 the continent um, man who is in charge of his destiny, who is in charge of his erections, who is in charge of his family, you know, those, those various ideas about what a healthy masculinity get, get built on top of that. I don't know if there's lots of space for being vulnerable or doubtful always. Yeah. And that's perhaps, you know, from your perspective as a, um, as somebody who, as you say, deals with young men IRL, that perhaps might be more valuable is to talk about like our, our hangups a bit more or to talk a bit more about what we fear. Um, yeah, I think that it's, um, it, it, it's a space where from, from what I've seen when I, when I've been through the, some of these communities, uh, I, I, when I was researching my article that I wrote for about no, no, November for my website, Bish, dear listener, bishuk.com, um, which is mostly visited by young men, like thousands of young men visit that a day. And, um, um, yeah, I, I was seeing that there were, there were a lot of people genuinely kind of asking for help and genuinely, and a lot of people, I think, genuinely wanting to give the best help that they thought that they could. Mm. I think that a lot of this isn't really, a lot of what we're talking about, and certainly the, the more kind of benign end, uh, I guess we, we, we'll start to talk about the labels for the, <laughs> for the different kind of communities as they appear, but I would say the Fapstronauts, as they call themselves, <laughs> which is an excellent term, well done, whoever came up with that. Um who are who in your research when you were looking at these online communities they seem to be the, they, they seem to be the largest group but there seems to be mm. a kind of a benign kind of trying to untangle all of the very confusing messages that they've received about masculinity uh, and sex and the very poor sex education that they've received and that there is a, like a kind of a 
genuine trying to help each other but there isn't anyone i think there are a few ways for men online to be able to do the, that next level down as you talk about which is to be um well the thing that's actually making me concerned about this is this and this and this and how do i do masculinity under late stage capitalism <laughs> you mm, know is ultimately mm. the, is is the real thing that we're, we're talking about how do i hold on to this one thing which feels like a, an ever um uh, uh, an ever di- uh, disintegrating life raft which is not giving me anything and it's kind of killing me but it's the only thing that I've got um, which is the well that's the overall uh, that's the end of the podcast now so thanks for listening <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean that, is, that, that will be our conclusion I guess. ending conclusion but, yeah <laughs> yeah but there are genuine concerns and so let's talk about some of these at uh, the more benign end so you know we talked about porn addiction porn addiction is a thing that, that has been it's more beneficial and more helpful to talk about compulsive sexual thoughts um a friend of the show and uh, who appeared on our episode to talk about it's a sin dear listener silver Neves has got a book out about this called compulsive sexual disorders and there's loads of uh, really good therapists uh, out there who can actually help with compulsive sexual thoughts um, but if there are therapists out there who are saying that they will give you therapy around sex addiction and they don't unpack that term, it's problematic. So yeah, the the even the, the kind of medicalization of the of the term porn addiction has in itself created so many um, so much discomfort and so much confusion that I think men are both as you saw, I think in 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 your in your piece you're kind of saying well they. They articulate it as a, as as a as a potential reason for taking part in NoFap and the benefits of NoFap, but they are also there because they are concerned that they might be addicted when there might be other things going on. Um, that's 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 kind of what uh, that, uh, talk to me a bit more about how y- they kind y- of yeah. So so um, the because because that discourse kind of draws um, a. Um, a sense of failure, um, you know, when you're in this pit of addiction um, and you think you're going to lose your erection, you also think that you're not achieving real sex. Um, and of course, you know, I think we can we can all relate in some way or another to, to you know, being a teenager or, or you know, you, you know, even into adulthood, like feeling as if we just, you know, we're sexual failures. We're not, we're not going to meet someone. We're not attractive enough. We're not, you know, um, what it, whatever it is that is wrong with us. Um, you know, this becomes another thing that is wrong with me, um, yeah. that I'm, you know, always online and I'm always jacking off. Um, and so, so that's very much wound up in that anxiety of, will I ever form real relationships with real people? Mm. Um, I mean, we, we call it the more benign end, and I agree with you. I think that is the right way to characterize it. And I don't want to stigmatize um, the Fabstronauts at all. Um, but we must also be aware that there are problematic dynamics at work here. You know, the idea that, you know, um, achieving real heterosex is this kind of, you know, the, the signal of a real man. You know, all of these constructions have potentially harmful um, uh, social effects, and I think we should work to de- deconstruct them mm-hmm. and also contextualize them within a culture that is, you know, against all evidence to the contrary, constructing men as if they're somehow the losers of modernity and white men, especially, you know, that somehow, um, you know, oh, there's feminism, oh, you know, there's, uh, you know, uh, trans rights, oh, there's, you know, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, queerness is celebrated. Oh, you know, the poor, the poor men, the poor straight men, very often the poor white straight men feeling sorry for themselves, feeling anxious. So at the same time as I don't want to stigmatize everybody and say, you know, well, it's not as benign as you think it is. Um, I, I, I do think that we should be aware of the power laden work that is being done in saying um, that, you know, um, your compulsive, um, uh, your compulsive porn use or something like that requires of you a response where you club together with other guys to, you know, wank less. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, and, but you know, you're, you're the, the expert in that field of actually well, talking to people and actually like engaging yeah. with them. Yeah. Well, it's the thing there are, that it's not the answer, is it? Look, what they're doing is to recreate a uh, recreate a different form of hegemonic masculinities and also yeah. hold up hegemonic masculinities rather than to interrogate what it is to be a man, to interrogate the default of being a straight white man is, some, is the much more interesting, um, powerful and challenging and radical work. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, when they... If they stumble across my website, that's what they get. They might not like it, but <laughs> that's what they might get. But I mean, that. It, it, I, on the one hand, I think we also have to kind of speak with two voices sometimes when we're when we're, we're if we're doing the work of trying to find these young men and trying to make sure that they are even less and less benign and cause us less harm um, is to say, look, it's completely fine for you to have these kind of ideas about compulsive sexual thoughts. It's like it's understandable in the culture that we're in mm. and in, in with the sex education that you receive and with everyone telling you that it's bad, it's actually fine, but you don't have to if you don't want to. You know, there is the kind of you really mustn't wank um, uh, you, you, it's very very bad for you which we've had you know which comes from we might talk about this in a bit but that's a very strong discourse but we also now have this you really should it's really good for you it's kind of healthy which is also i think not very helpful either so i think that it's hard for them to figure it out but we also be able to we have to be able to say well here are some ways where you could actually uh have um a better relationship with yourself around masturbation. Here are some tools, some like technologies of the self, dear listener, uh, <laughs> where you can think about your relationship to masturbation and what that means about your sexual self. That doesn't mean that you have to then reinforce all these harmful things around masculinity. Absolutely. Um, but there is this idea as well about that that uh, some of the kind of myths that are told around this are that there that that by refraining from masturbation you get the sexual energy that can be used for something else i yeah. say learning dutch uh in in the paper that people talk about <laughs> yeah, learning so the violin mm. um so many so many of the men as who would call themselves fabstronauts but also members of other communities might also use some of the um in inverted commas feminist yes might be feminist arguments that are anti-porn uh, as a way of saying, well, we're doing something which is good. We're not looking at porn. We think all porn is bad, so we can't be bad men. As Absolutely, well, Absolutely. So, so the, the 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 sad bit is where is where you um, see sort of like you know that sort of um, you know uh, um, porn is bad for women. Um, not using porn is a, a responsible thing to do. And then in the next tweet, you see you know only a slut would do porn. Right. You know, so it's kind of like that slippage is very easy um, yes. in in the discourse. Um, and I mean, they are, you know, some people would say that even in the more kind of old school um, or no, let me not call it old school. The sort of the what what's currently called 
uh, radical feminist sort of tradition. There's also a bit of that. There is, you know, that sort of shaming mm. of sex work and shaming of women. Um, but but so so I think you know the other thing that's 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 uh, problematic there is the reification of your masculine energy as being somehow contained in your ejaculate. Um, mm. uh, and of course, this is part of the ancient idea. Um, so you know the whichever you know. Um, Many ancient philosophies, many less ancient philosophies have this notion of the life force or the, you know, in one of the far right um, guys I study, he calls it thumos um, or dragon breath. Sometimes there's there's all of these ideas around the fact that your kind of your masculine energy is contained within your seed. It's kind of your essence and mm -hmm. it's so close to the kind of... Um, uh, um, racial genetic notions of what a man's role is in the world in order to, you know, in, in line with kind of like reproducing populations or mm. of sort of passing on the kind of your ancestral energy to the next generation, whatever it is, um, that a whole lot of problems arise, I think, yeah. around, around that idea. Um, not least of which is in the Manosphere discourse, the idea that it is feminists that are stealing this energy from you mm -hmm. that it's part of their strategy um so modern culture cuck culture the, the mm -hmm. culture of men who have given in to feminists um they're actually stealing this energy from you that's why you feel tired that's why you feel right. depressed because you know there's a there's like a there's a whole culture that's trying to drain you of your masculine energy and you, you, you step that up one dial and you get the more, you know, you, you, you get the, the, the far right discourse then, the, sure. the alt-righters well, who now say it's not just feminists, it's the Jews. The Jews are actually trying to steal your energy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think there's so, a whole constellation of problems there. Big time. It is that kind of um, the retelling of the story of pure patriarchy, i.e. about fatherhood, right? And so that sex is about procreation and you should only, um, that, your, that your testosterone emboldens you and makes you a, a stronger man. They claim to, they, there is one very dodgy. One Chinese uh, study. Yeah, yeah study. Everyone, everyone shares that one study. Yeah. <laughs> and also that's not how testosterone works. That's not how masculinity works. I wish, I'm trying to explain more Deleuze and Guattari to these guys. I think they'd be, they'd feel a lot better <laughs> if they'd thought about assemblages of things uh, and what gets territorialized. But anyway, that's part, that's my <laughs> other project. Um, but there is this thing of that it is that, that almost women are so women it's so with some of these some of these men it is about in order to be there is an, a thing about abstaining from sex if, sorry abstaining from masturbation in order to be a more ideal subject for for women in order to be more alpha that women might find them attractive but then yeah. there is a point at which women are just completely out of the picture and it's like well we uh, we have to retain our testosterone uh, in order to to eventually reproduce effectively in traditional hetero patriarchal relationships, and that that and so the the woman there is no longer uh, given any subjectivity at all. The woman there is literally um, someone to procreate with, yeah. and and so in that way they are reinforcing a very old as old. You know, as old as time idea of patriarchy, which is incredibly dangerous and problematic. Yeah. There, there are some, um, uh, you know, there is some 
a version of agency um, uh, for the, I don't know if you've engaged at all with the trad wife discourse, um, but this, this um, women who identify, there are also women on NoFap um, who support their trad husbands in, in their NoFap journey. Um, and it's very similar to um, the kind of um, what under Italian fascism was constructed as the, the passionate submission of the mother that to really kind of be in your home and to raise proper Italian children and to defend the race um, was the the gendered sex role that was um, most glorious. It made you a heroine. It made you the mother of the nation. Um, right. And so, so there is sort of a subjectivity uh, that is there. Right. There are there are of course there are then there the, the the men going their own way. Some of whom also are no fap. And they don't want anything to do with women at all, they claim at least. So they claim that they wouldn't even have sex with them if they were available. I think it's, you know, largely kind of a, an attempt at, at making a discursive point about the supposed undateability or the un, you know, that, that women are just too degenerate to even think about chasing. Um, so, so they are, even within that extreme Meninist manosphere space, there are differences of opinions and debates and people are trying to yeah. recruit each other. And <laughs> Yeah, that's what I found really interesting about it. It, it. it kind of, to me, my reading of it was that there are, that there are these factionauts who I'm describing as the least benign but still have uh, potential to be harmful. Um, people who take part in abstaining from masturbating. And then there is the there is the potential for there to be, um, yeah, recruitment to these other increasingly mm. radical, um, not radical as in good, like uh, radical as in, um, uh, let's replace the word radical because I quite like the word radical. These uh, <laughs> more, um, there is the potential to be recruited into kind of uh, much harmful versions of this. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, much more harmful, like uh, the alt-right, the Meninists. Also, I would talk about with the self-masters who you describe as well, the people yeah. who are trying to be the ideal neoliberal subject. Um, exactly. Let's talk about that for a, minute, a little bit, actually, while, while, while I've brought that up. So there is this kind of thing about it taking on board some of the language of like wellness culture as well, isn't it? The, uh, mm. How we should, what it is to live a good life. Um, yeah. it's, so, and it is, it's the seven rules for life. I mean, it's not yeah. all Jordan Peterson, but it certainly is um, uh, very much thinking through the human as a kind of a biological organism that responds to particular um, triggers and that is sort of like evolved to thrive in, um, you know, with, 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 you know, a certain number of nutrients within it and will grow and be strong if in its, you know, appropriate environment. Um, and that, that, you know, is, I think, to a large extent, um, part of the culture of, you know, this, this, this neoliberal individualism, believing that, um, you know, we need to be rich, we need to be hard, we need to be entrepreneurial, we need to have muscles, we need to, um, you know, think about our um, retirement, um, you know, worry about the health of our heart, you know, there's the, this constant self-monitoring, these con you've called, you've already mentioned the technologies of the self, there's this constant work that we do um, in order to try to sort of per perfect our our mechanism as humans, combined with a, a kind of an evo-psych, um, you know, what you put in is what you get out kind of uh, um, argument. Um, so, you know, anything from making your bed every morning and cleaning your room, uh, through to the books you read, through to the supplements you take, 
the number of um, push-ups you do, how much you can lift. Um, and then NoFap becomes one of the elements of a broader um, plan. And it really is like kind of it is that, you know, do these 20 things every I'm day. Sorry invest in cryptocurrency, um, you know, um, um, never forget your, you know, five-year goal and set, you know, plans for the next three months. And then, and it's this constant work of planning and monitoring um, that sort of then gets, you know, into quite a, a, a for, for me, quite a scary kind of vision of, of what it must feel like to be, to be trapped within that. I mean... Well, it's people searching for a different plan isn't it it's like a, a different it, it's it's still it's still presenting a um a hegemonic uh view of masculinity it's still like a a you know a rule book and it is the, the problem is is that it's the rules i think the difference between what jordan peterson might do uh, and what foucault was talking about in technologies of the self is that what jordan peterson is doing is like this will make you the man you need to be in order to be you know to be better and i guess what foucault might say or a proponent of foucault would be how do we use some tools to tune into how we might draw and redraw ourselves like how do we sit alongside ourselves to understand ourselves and then have an idea of what ourselves the possibilities of ourselves and so that's where you know, and, and the same kind of thing in well-being culture, which we might think of as being, you know, ultimately quite harmless, which is, you know, have a bubble bath, uh, you know, treat yourself, uh, you know, do a lot of self-care. Uh, and these are all the things that you need to do in order to do self-care. A lot of that is pro- really problematic because it's just telling people yes. what to do rather than how they might tune into what the self is or their selves. And it's also... Um, uh, potentially distracting us from the societal bases of our um, malaise. You know, if you if you're constantly having to draw yeah. yourself bubble baths, you know what's happening in your everyday life. Like, what's your job? You know, are you being paid a decent salary? Like, why why all the bubble baths? Why not a strike? Um, and you know, of course, yeah. for, for the young men, it's the same thing. Like, why are you being forced into this position of being an entrepreneur? You know, is that the only subject position that will sort of make you feel as if you're self-actualizing within, you know, as you said earlier, late-stage capitalism? Like, I think that's the, the, the and, uh, you know, I don't want to overstate the case, but that's sort of like, it just feels to me that's the nightmare scenario of it, that I, I'm, I'm having these huge expectations mm. of what I need to do in order to be somebody constantly um, held up as, as, as ideals and... Um, it seems to me to be quite a um, quite an uncomfortable way to live one's life under constant self-monitoring and yeah. and management. Well, I hope, like me, you've been enjoying this conversation so far. Just listening back to the edit for this, I'm just really enjoying it and learning so much. If you'd like to hear the full conversation, you'll need to head over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. From just £1 a month, it's a sliding scale, so you can pay whatever you can afford. You can hear some bonus content, all of the uh, the full-length episodes, but most importantly, you'll be supporting the show. The Patreon is my only source of funding to make this show, and this show's pretty unique. So please, if you'd like to see this kind of show in the world, please consider supporting the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. Okay, until next time, bye!